technology is becoming a greater part of our lives and it's actually a huge part of our lives let's be real but how much of our life is being absorbed by that technology let's get into it with uh, William Mellick who is the director of the Robo Hub at the uh, University of Waterloo hey William welcome to the show yeah, happy to be on the air with you. Thank nice, you. nice to have you here. So, um, given what you do, is your is your home all you know kitted out in smart devices? Uh, yeah, I think to to a great extent. But obviously, uh, again, knowing what I know about uh, how the how those devices operate, I try to take some uh, simple precautions just to kind of minimize the amount of data being uploaded to the cloud or being kind of used on the internet. All right. Well, let's get to those precautions in a little bit. But I'm curious to know about what is the Robo Hub at the University of Waterloo? What do you do there? So the RoboHub actually is is the, the largest robotics research facility in Canada, huh. and it's um, a, a very unique space where we have all different types of robotics, including uh, collaborative robotics, which is a new type of robotic arms, humanoid robotics, flying robots, which are drones, as well as uh, magnetic levitation systems. So these basically use the same concept uh, that propels trains in Japan, uh, if some of our audience may have uh, uh, ridden on it, which takes actually a trip from Tokyo to Osaka, about 500 kilometers in just 90 minutes. Yeah. So again, we call it a heterogeneous type uh, robotics research facility where we have all different types of bots, uh, some of which you see in the household, some of it is a little bit more sophisticated, used in industry or, or in research institutions. So, William, we know that some folks fully embrace, you know, having a home that's fully run by smart devices and apps. Others may only have, I don't know, a, a Google Home or something that plays music, whatever it is. How much, you know, how much information are the tech companies collecting from us, from those devices in our homes? Um, yeah, actually quite a bit. And, and maybe just to give a little bit more context, uh, most of these devices will operate in one of two modes. Uh, so uh, either they are connected to the web uh, where data is being uploaded to a cloud, so the technology provider is gathering a lot of information uh, about basically how we use this technology. And in the age of what we call big data, they apply pattern recognition and trend detection to learn our preferences uh, and basically uh, try to kind of program the machine in such a way or the device uh, to be perceived as intelligent and and that way we get more addicted to it and we continue to use it more and more because it offers these type of conveniences uh, that we basically expect the device to provide the other mode actually is basically not connected to to the web uh, where most of the data that is collected will live on the device itself but obviously in doing so we sacrifice some of the advanced functionality that the technology providers uh, will kind of promise as part of of, of the bot uh, and obviously, again, it will not operate kind of uh, in a full-blown mode in this case. So pretty much when we sign up and we, you know, hit the accept, accept, accept without reading the entire, you know, <laughs> ten, 10 pages of paper, <laughs> we're just signing off on, okay, yeah, you can do whatever you want. Yeah, yeah, to a great extent, because I think you, you, you said that really you articulated very well, you know, like sometimes we get this consent and it's like 10, 20 pages with a lot of fine print, and most of us would basically just not read it. Like, I think we just need the convenience of being able to download this app and use it. So we, we do not read the fine print, and and, uh, and basically we do not know what this entails. And I think, you know, I'm also uh, as guilty as everybody else <laughs> at times, right, because we just want to download it and begin to use it right away. So... W- 
these devices, let's just say, for example, I have uh, Alexa. I is Alexa constantly listening to you? If my husband and I are in the, in the kitchen talking about Christmas shopping and presents and what we might be thinking about or maybe where we're going to take our next trip, is Alexa you know, taking in that information and turning around and, and using it somewhere else? Um, I, again, I, I wouldn't kind of say to this extent, but okay. uh, obviously since it has a speaker, it does collect data and then it applies data analytics and uh, pattern recognition. All of it is powered by artificial intelligence. Okay. Uh, and the, the idea is to try to identify your preferences, uh, try to learn a little bit more uh, the nature of the information that you will repeatedly ask the bot for. Uh, so that could, could probably include uh, trying to kind of learn a recipe uh, on how to prepare like uh, a recipe or or it may be repeatedly asking for time of day or uh, temperature outside or where would be the nearest Tim Hortons to go grab a coffee or where would be the nearest shopping mall mm. that has perhaps a uh, 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 substantial discount. So this is the type of information that it would look for and it will not look at a piece of information in isolation but it will try to identify a pattern. So correlate uh, part of the conversation if it's being recorded uh, trying to identify uh, re repeated questions or commonalities that uh, make kind of uh, help it pick on a pattern uh, that, that you typically would, uh, a form of information that you would typically look for time and again. And that way actually it becomes more prepared uh, next time around that it will have like again a, a better answer for okay. you or yeah so I, I think that that is typically what is happening in the age of big data like uh, uh, Amazon or, or, or Google Nest or Google Home and most of these bots at home uh, they are powered by this very advanced artificial intelligence that is uh, trying to identify patterns and repeating preferences uh, from from uh, snippets of conversations the, that it's listening to. The, the privacy legislation um, that's being proposed here in Canada when it comes to all of this stuff, it's still being you know, worked through. It's still going through all of the uh, all of the steps that it needs to. I mean, it seems to me we're kind of late to the game on this, William. Absolutely, absolutely. Like the policy is definitely lagging. Uh, in terms of uh, uh, not being able to, to keep up with how uh, fast the technology is evolving, and especially in this age of big data. Uh, so policy around data privacy, around consumer protection, I think it's kind of progressing, but it's progressing at a much slower pace than how technology is, is advancing. And I think that's the sad reality, but I think uh, policymakers, of course, uh, will, will need to ramp up their efforts in order to be able to protect consumer, but at the same time also uh, hold uh, some of those organizations more accountable mm -hmm. uh, if, if there is kind of, uh, any kind of suspicion that data is used in a certain way that would expose consumer privacy uh, or basically expose uh, confidential information around end users. Okay, so I'm so not saying that this happens, but obviously policy will have to regulate this and I don't think it's there yet. Okay William so before I let you go I need you to give us some advice give us some tips you talked earlier about uh, you know precautions and 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 things that you have in place what do what should we be thinking of what should we be doing at home if we're really concerned about this sort of stuff? Well, I mean, 
again, at, at this point in time, and, and, and the fact that uh, uh, some of these devices obviously do not have to be connected to the Internet all the time. Like typically when, when you set up an Alexa, uh, as, as you know, you will have to download the application on your smartphone, and that's how it configures the device for you. But the device does not have to be uh, web. It is web-enabled, but it does not have to be connected to the Internet all the time. So that's one way to uh, run the device in the local mode, maybe uh, on similar to the RF frequency that we have on the radio, or just locally. And that way the data lives on the device. It's similar to uh, the credit cards and the bank cards and your driver's license mm. in your wallet. Nobody will be able to kind of reach in and take it. Uh, so uh, whenever you're able to run it in this mode, that, of course, is something that I would recommend uh, to end users. Uh, other thing, of course, which is maybe a little bit more onerous, when we get like a consent for a license agreement to use a technology that we download that powers the device, perhaps being able to try and actually scrutinize the agreement, read a little bit more, learn uh, what it entails, and uh, feel, feel comfortable that you're able to live with the sort of conditions and the consent that the technology provider is expecting you to consent to. So uh, if, if there is something in there that stands out as kind of uh, uh, being, again, maybe a little off that you're not comfortable with, perhaps you should think again or maybe look for an alternative technology provider. Interesting. Those are the two things I would be able to kind of uh, maybe recommend to our viewers. Uh, but hopefully, again, all of this becomes even uh, a, a better protective layer for the consumer if our actually policymakers are able to ramp up their efforts and put in more policy in place to regulate this and ensure uh, consumer uh, protection of, of, of information and data privacy. Okay. William Mellick joining me this afternoon. Thank you for the advice. Thank you for your insight. Great talking to you. Thank you for having me and have a good afternoon. Yeah.